All right, here we are, Garage Talk Podcast. Back, the computer is working finally. I feel like it's been down and out forever, uh, but the timing's good because I've been looking forward to this one. And uh, Billy Lund is in the garage. It's a little chilly. It is morning time when we're re- uh, recording the podcast. Both of us have places to be today, so we're going to get right into it, talk about a few things, and uh, probably learn a few things about each other. And we've had a chance to learn some things over the past year or two, probably more than we knew before. Yeah, quite a bit more. Uh, because of an outing, a trip to Memphis. Uh, one of the things I want to touch on as we get started here, uh, because I want people to know about your event. So if they decide to listen to five minutes of the podcast and just turn it off for whatever reason, I hope they listen to more. But mm-hmm. I want them to know about your event that's coming up. Uh, and obviously this thing's going to live on the internet for a long time. But in the short term, I want people to know what you're up to uh, very, very soon here. So give people an idea of what you're up to. And then we're going to back up and start at the beginning. Okay. Uh, November 2nd is our sixth annual country against cancer. It's for St. Jude children's hospital. Um, it started six years ago for three little girls actually in Crescent city who all had cancer all under the age of 10. And I grew up there. I don't ever remember seeing stuff like that. You know, it's, it's, it was kind of crazy to me. And it was one of those things I was, I was actually in a gas station, I think. And I saw one of those little donation containers for, for a child. And, uh, it kind of hit me. It was before I even had kids. And, uh, so I contacted by coastal media over on the coast, the, uh, K pod KCRE. And I said, Hey, let's do a fundraiser for these kids. Um, so we got Elk Valley casino involved, K, uh, K pod and KCRE were involved. And, uh, we, we put this fundraiser on, we called it country against cancer. And, uh, my band played there the first year. Um, and then the next year, you know, it was one of those things where we, we still wanted to continue doing it. And, and, uh, so we switched it up and we decided to go for St. Jude, um, over the years, it's actually been pretty cool. You know, we've, we've had Dylan Scott there. Um, we've had my friend Jacob, who's an actor there. Um, we've, you know, we've played there every year. This year is kind of cool because it's, um, we're doing a homegrown theme and we have, uh, Jesse G who is really, uh, really taken off as far as country music goes. She's, She's with uh, Gretchen Wilson, uh, touring with her. She's she's played with Leonard Skinner twice this month on their farewell tour. Um, Keep she, talking. I'm grabbing a power cord. This is the thing about the garage. Sometimes I forget things, and I forgot the power cord for my computer. So keep going. <laughs> I'll be right back. Uh, she's open for Sarah Evans this month, um, and she's from Brookings, Oregon. And uh, so she's going to come over and play with us. And then Cameron Sierra, who is from Crescent City, also, she uh, she's in Nashville right now, kind of kind of doing her thing over there. And so we're bringing us all back together, and uh, going to be a fun time. Yeah, it's going to be really cool, and that's the main well, not the main reason, but one of the reasons I want to get you on so soon is so that you get the word out and uh, just keep spreading the word. I was talking to a good friend of mine yesterday about the efforts for St. Jude around Southern Oregon and what people have been able to do in this case, just over the border in Northern California. And it's pretty incredible to see what people have done for St. Jude and how it just continues to grow and continues to get bigger. Yeah, it's it's actually really cool because my fundraiser obviously takes place in Crescent City, but I've been going around to a lot of local businesses. I'm trying to you know, it's our theme is homegrown and, and I've been over here for, you know, a third of my life. And so this is, this is home for me in Southern Oregon. And so I've been going to a lot of the local businesses and everybody's really, really receptive, even though it's not here, it's taking place over there. They just want help St. Jude. Yeah. It's a cool thing to be a part of. And uh, one of these years, and I've told you this before, I want to get over there. It just seems like the calendar has not worked out, but when it's time, 
uh, it's going to work out and I definitely want to try and get over there next year for the event and uh, see what it's all about. So here's the challenge today because this is what's happening as of right this second. I was at work this morning. I'm actually going to text my wife who's inside the house and see if she has a Dell power cord because I took my computer to work today. And where do you think my power cord is? I would say it's probably at work. It's at work. And we have about 50% battery, but I'm just going to see what happens here. I'm going to see if she has one. And uh, if she doesn't, then this is going to get real interesting because we can go for a while. I don't want to cut us off early, uh, but we'll see what happens. So I'm going to just shoot her a quick note. This is the joy of just rolling with the podcast. All right. So there's that. All right. So let's back up to the beginning now that we got some of the details out about your event. People can go to the event. There's still tickets available. Yeah. Did you I, say that while I was looking for the power cord? Uh, I did not. But okay. I, I do have actually, I have tickets with me all the time. I've been carrying them with me here. That way, if anybody in Southern Oregon wants to buy them, um, if they want to buy them online, you can get them at homegrowncountry.brownpapertickets.com. All right. So check the event out. I know that there's been a couple of people already just in the last week or so when we talked about on the radio that say, Hey, we're going to go check this thing out. So I know there was someone that really wants that Luke Combs autograph guitar. I think there's so, a bunch of people that want that Luke Combs guitar. Yeah, that's a good one. That guy's just blowing up. But uh, let's go back to the beginning for you. You said you grew up in the Crescent City area and you're into music now and you have a real job and you have kids. So you're juggling all these different things. But let's go back to uh, the beginning for you and when you kind of got interested in music and how that came about? Well, I think that I'm the one who converted everybody in my family to country music. Um, you know, I think maybe my grandpa growing up, I used to ride horses out at his house and stuff. And, uh, he was the one who kind of introduced me to like Johnny cash and, and people like that. And it, I just, I just took it and ran with it. I used to sing along to the pure country soundtrack when I was like six years old. Um, that was, you know, George Strait and, I, uh, I just took it and ran with it and I, I love country music and, uh, you know, I've converted my mom and my dad and my sister and everybody, they, they love country music now. And, um, that's something I've always told everybody. Actually, um, my grandma used to work at a place, um, in Smith river, California and uh, the owners, I always told him I'm going to be famous someday. And so I actually signed a napkin for him and he still has it to this day. And it tells him when I, when I hit it big, I'm going to buy him a truck is what I told him. And so how old were you when you told him you were going to be famous? Probably like seven, seven or eight. Um, and he, he reminds me of that every time I see him, he goes, you need, you need to keep doing this. So, so you can, uh, you can buy me that truck. <laughs> so you were a fan early on of the music, but at what point did you get serious about singing music and actually getting up in front of people? Was it in high school or? No, it was actually prior to that. Um, you know, I used to sing along, like I said, with the, with the pure country soundtrack. Um, and my dad growing up, we always had karaoke machines. And I, I remember when I was younger, he actually went out and bought like eight TVs and we had them in the, in the karaoke room with all the, all the karaoke words on them and all that stuff. And so, which we, then was a lot of TVs to have because it's not yeah. like now where they're way more affordable and yeah, you know, not, you didn't have a TV in every room or at least I didn't at my house. Yeah. Yeah. He, he went out and did that. And, um, it's kind of funny. My dad, he, he was the Elvis guy. So he was, he always used to sing Elvis songs and, um, you know, I started getting him to buy the, the country karaoke songs and we'd stand on the pool table and, uh, and, uh, sing some, sing some country songs. So, so he was into music then. Would yeah. you say that he was a main influence then as far as getting you into music or 
No, I mean, in to to a degree, yeah, because he he always had the karaoke machines, and he would always kind of cater to what uh, what I wanted as far as music goes. But he kind of pushed me to do it because it was fun, and he he loved it, man. He was he was all about it. So, yeah, I mean, I guess that would be where it started was was singing karaoke with my dad. So you get started on the karaoke machine. Where does it go from there? Do you sing off and on as you start to get older, or do you sing all the time? Well. As far as karaoke goes, I did it. We, I mean, we used to have friends over to my dad's house. My dad's house was kind of the, the place we'd all hang out when, when I was in high school and stuff. And all my friends would sing karaoke and stuff. But it was never a serious thing. Um, I think, honestly, when I moved here uh, to Southern Oregon, you know, I used to go to the bar and I would, I would sing karaoke. And uh, somebody approached me in a bar singing one night. And they're like, you need to enter the, the Colgate Country Showdown. And so I was like, I don't even know what that is, but I'll, I'll check it out. And, um, I entered it that year. Um, I won the local round and I ended up going over to the, uh, mill casino, um, and, and did it over there. And, you know, from there, uh, do you know who Sandy Ficka is? Yeah. From Firefall. Yeah. San yeah. Sandy, actually, I contacted him and I said, Hey, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to put a band together. And, uh, he actually really, really helped me out. He did a lot of recording for me. Um, before I actually had a band and he actually kind of guided me on the, on the way of putting the band together. Yeah. And for people who don't know the Colgate country showdown was, I can't remember if it was the Texaco country showdown before that. And then it ended up being Colgate Opposite. either way, yeah. one way or the other. Yeah. And uh, it was a, a national singing competition where you could move up through the rounds. You do the local competition, then the state, right. Then like a regional, and then you could end up in Nashville Yeah, and uh, move on from there. And we've had quite a few people who, were involved in that competition end up doing pretty decent for themselves or at least having a decent music career here in the Valley for sure. Yeah. It's pretty crazy actually. I mean, tons of even super famous people have actually been involved in the whatever, you know, Colgate, Texaco, one of those the showdown, country showdown, the showdown had sponsors yeah. and then lost all of them. Yeah. The yep. Yeah. So there's been a lot of people and like you said, locally here, there's been quite a few that have done it and, uh, yeah, I mean, some of them are still playing music now, so. Yeah, it's cool to see. I had a chance to talk to one of my buddies yesterday who was a part of it, and he had got to move on like you did to go over to the coast and perform, and it's just a cool opportunity for people to get up there. What was it like being a part of that, getting into that competition, not really knowing a whole lot about it because you didn't know anything about it. Someone tells you about it, and you enter it, and I'm guessing there's probably people in the competition who already competed in competitions and you're up there for the first time i was i was terrified actually um <laughs> i had i had zero stage presence whatsoever um it was one of those things where i i got a recording to watermelon crawl um which was my my signature karaoke song that i would always sing in the bars and stuff and that was the jam yeah yeah that was the jam and it was a whole lot different when you know you have you know four or five beers and you singing in front of people in a bar but when you're you know completely sober in front of a bunch of people and doing something that you've never done before. It's, it was pretty, uh, pretty terrifying actually, but were the you know, nerves over the top for you or yeah, uh, they were, I was, uh, it was one of those things. Like I knew, I knew the, I know the song I like to sing, but I didn't know what to do in front of people. And so I just kind of did whatever I could. And yeah, because everyone's different. Some people dance around, some people stand still, some people wave their hands a lot. Some people try and get the crowd involved. 
I mean, paced a lot. I, I just walked, <laughs> I walked around a lot and I, I paced a lot. And so, you know, it was one of those things I, I didn't have a lot of the stage presence and stuff, but I did well. That was the biggest critique that everybody gave me was, uh, stage presence and you know over the years i've worked on it and i I mean i'm still not great with the stage presence but i've gotten better it's one of those things i think about a lot when i go to a concert i've had a chance to be on stage for other things usually emceeing something whether it's a charity auction but i get really nervous myself and so when you go up in front of those people it's like what what exactly do i need to do here you know all these different thoughts run through your mind and then you have the crowd which you're kind of at the mercy of the crowd yes and it's up to them because one of the biggest risks in my opinion that you can take is trying to get the crowd involved and they don't respond to you and i know for a singer sometimes it's like all right everybody now and nobody does anything yep. it's a huge gamble so for me it's a little bit different because if it's an auction it's a little easier to get people involved and if they're not bidding you just move on yeah. And, you, and you end it. So it's not like there's that much on the line, but that is one of my biggest fears, even though I'm not singing or even watching for someone or watching someone else do it. Whenever they do that, I always think, Ugh. and even some of the bigger stars it can happen to. Oh yeah. So you see him try and get the crowd involved and then crickets like, Oh, it's the most uncomfortable feeling. So you remember, uh, at country crossings a couple of years ago when Keith Urban made everybody come up front mm-hmm. and, uh, it was kind of a fiasco that's the funnest time is when everybody's up front like that and they're all having a good time and partying. They Play, want to be into it. Playing to a crowd of people sitting in seats, just watching is, is not nearly as fun as, as people uh, partying and having a good time and, and getting into the music. Well, at Willamette a couple of years ago, so there was no Willamette this past summer, so it must have been the summer before, before Drake White played at the Rocky Tonk. Yeah. We were so excited to go see Drake White. We saw him at Route 91 in Las Vegas, and we're so pumped. We went to a little special meet and greet ahead of time. It was all, everything was good, but it was so hot that day. And we actually went out to the front of the catwalk in the pit so we could watch him. There's about six of us standing there. And then there was about six more people total. Uh, There was more than that. I'm exaggerating, but for effect, they're really, I mean, maybe a hundred or 200 people in a venue that, that could hold 25,000. He was so upset about it, even though we were sweating, getting a sunburn right at the front of the catwalk, clapping, cheering along, loving his music. He left early. He stomped off into this set early and was pissed. You could tell. And it was a huge turnoff for me. But then I know he went to the Rocky Tongue and slayed it the next night. So I can understand where he's coming from. But as a performer, even if people aren't responding and there's three people in the crowd, those could be your three biggest fans for hit forever. If you give them a good show, I know it's difficult, but I mean, what do you think about that? I think it's very, very unprofessional to do something like that. Um, I think that regard, I mean, that's your job. You're paid to be there. So I can get mad at my job and, uh, I, I can't walk away. I can't stop doing it because I'm mad about something. Um, I, I think that, uh, like you said, it's, it's pretty unprofessional. I think that he, uh, he needs to just go out there and rock it for the 200 people that are there. And I will say that we all have bad days, so we don't know what was going on that day. I've seen some performers and thought, I don't really care if I ever see them again. And then I end up seeing them as a part of a festival or an event that they're a part of where I didn't necessarily buy a ticket to see them. They totally redeem themselves. So it's just, it's hard to say what they're going through. So, I mean, I don't want to just, you know, beat up on Drake white too much, but he did do it. And it's like, man, I just knew it just left a sour taste in my mouth. I watched Chris Jansen before Chris Jansen was Chris Jansen. Like as far as where he's at now, um, I saw him 
he, I saw him in Nashville for the first time and he played for a room of 70 people mm-hmm. and it, he acted like he was playing in an arena full of, you know, 60,000 people. Like he just rocked it. He was into it. Like, and he did the same thing. Yeah, we had him at Rocky Tonk, um, not long after that. And it was before he blew up and I mean, it was one of those things, you know, you're either going to get a good turnout or you're not. And it wasn't a great turnout at Rocky Tonk. And he rocked that place, though. It mm-hmm. was. It, I mean, he's one of the best live performers I've ever seen. And it doesn't matter how many people he's playing for. He's going to do the same show as if there were 60,000 people there. Yeah, it's it's cool to watch him because, you know, he's putting everything into it. I'm actually trying to get someone in here who lives in Southern Oregon now who had uh, Chris Jansen sleeping on his couch. Really? Yeah, when he lived in Nashville. So the guy I know lived in Nashville, and Chris Jansen lived out of his car for a while, and he ended up on this guy's couch for a period of time. And wow. he was at the show at the Rocky Tonk that you're talking about, and he talked to him at that show. Uh, so I'm curious to learn more about that. Him and I have talked in private about it, but it's one of the things I'm going to talk to him when he ends up coming over here because it's a pretty cool story. Yeah, it's and, awesome. And it's a story of... Um, it's encouraging, I guess, to know that someone slept in their car and kept getting after it, kept grinding, and ultimately uh, is turning into a star, you know? He is the epitome of paying your dues as far as, like, he, he played on Broadway in Nashville for, like, nine years, and then he got a shot on uh, the Grand Ole Opry, um, and now he's a member of the Opry, and he, he plays there all the time. But, like you said, he was living in his car, um, he was playing Broadway in Nashville, which is not a good gig. I mean, it's cool playing on Broadway in Nashville, grind. but it's a grind. You're playing four-hour sets, five-hour sets, and playing for tips. And uh, the way that he got his break is actually really cool. But, I mean, he really worked his butt off to to get where he is. Yeah, and you never know when that break is going to come along. And I've talked about that a lot with people who have come in here just in the few episodes already. But just being persistent and not giving up and – and maybe you're never a superstar, but if you give it everything you have, eventually, a lot of times, there's going to end up being some type of door open up and going to give you an opportunity. And whether you go after or not, that's up to you. But I think in his case, you know, obviously it took a lot longer, but ultimately the door opened and now he's taking advantage of it. Yeah, and, and I think there's a lot of different levels as far as making it in music. Um, starting out, putting this band together, you know, I, I saw bands and bars and you know, I thought it'd be kind of cool to, to go out and play some bars and have fun and, you know, do it on the weekends. But I never imagined I would be where I am right now. You know, I got to play with some of the, the coolest people this summer and I have over the past several years. I mean, I got to I got to sing and open for uh, Tracy Bird, which is like one of my all time favorite country artists this year. And, you know, for me, that's making it, man. Like I'm, I'm getting paid to do something that I love to do um and get to get to go do all these cool things and go see all these cool places and you know as far as as far as being a superstar i mean obviously that's that's great and everything but as far as i'm concerned um where i'm at you know i'm making it just because i'm enjoying it yeah and especially when it's not something you have to do exactly in your case you work a job you get to play music you have a band uh, so you have the opportunity to go out there and do that. And success is different for everyone. And, you know, we talk about it a lot, Ashley and myself, about which if you're listening to this, you don't know who she is. She's my morning show partner. Um, but there's a lot of different things you could do in life. 
but what do you want to get out of it? And for us, it's people say, well, when are you guys going to leave? I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know. Never. Maybe. I don't know. I don't really want to. Like if I can make it here, enjoy the surroundings, have my kids re- grow up in a nice community and have what we need, then I don't necessarily need to chase a bigger city just to say I was in a bigger city. Cause I feel like we can do more stuff in a small town than sometimes they can do in a big town. And that's a whole different, a whole different scene. And I would say maybe it is similar in some ways to what you're doing. As far as like, you've been able to play some festivals, you can play the local bars, you can do weddings, you can go to the winery if you want to. Um, but you've traveled all around and you get a chance to play and, and uh, yeah, so success is just different for everyone. Yeah, and and it's to the point where you know we can kind of pick and choose what we do. Um, I don't necessarily enjoy doing bars anymore, just because of the fact that I like I like my kids being able to go. My my daughter just eats it up. She likes getting on stage and she likes to sing. And it's one of those things where I try to try to keep it more family oriented now. Um, but like you were saying, as far as you, you know, you, you see faces every day that, you know, you know, you're, you're around here, you have people that are behind anything that you're going to do in the community, you know, St. Jude being one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can make a phone call to somebody during the radio thon and say, Hey, are you going to get on board for this? And, and in a bigger city, you can't necessarily do that. You don't know your community, your community doesn't necessarily know your face. And, and I think it's really cool that, you know, you guys are so connected around here for, for all the great things that you guys are doing. Um, and I I think it it just wouldn't be the same. And I think part of that's because it's smaller, Yeah, you know, because yeah, it's easier to get to know people. It's not like the rat race where people just don't get to know people as much as we do in a small town. And I think that's what makes it stronger is because you're able to rely on people or team up for different things. We've teamed up for different events, uh, or, or just, knowing someone who can help someone else out I was just talking about this yesterday the ability for someone they may not have the solution but they may know someone who has the solution and that's what's cool about the community vibe is you know what maybe i can't do that for you but there may be someone who can help you get to where you're trying to get to and you were talking about getting items together for your saint jude event over on the coast and it's it's just networking and 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 friendships and people who believe in what you're doing and they're more likely to give they're more likely to help when they see what you're doing and believe in what you're doing yeah it's like you know i don't necessarily know everybody around here but i know somebody who knows somebody and i went to a friend um a couple days ago i said hey man i need help with this and he's somebody that knows a lot of people he sent three text message and made two phone calls and, and got everything that I was looking for handled in, in a matter of 45 minutes. And so that's, that's the thing, you know, versus being in a bigger community. It's like for, for you, you know, people aren't going to necessarily know your face and say, hi, Jason, when you're walking down the street, you're, you're going to be a guy that they listen to on the radio every morning. And I, uh, I, I just, I like the small community vibe. I think, I think that everybody comes together really well. Um, and you know, a lot of the St. Jude stuff that we do around here is, it's incredible. Like being a part of the radio thon with you guys over here and just seeing what happens and what people are doing. And it's, it's amazing to me. Yeah. What people are capable of when they come together, because that's what makes that work. It's just people believing and then doing something to help the ultimate goal. Right. And so more people you get on board, it just spreads like wildfire and it's really mind boggling to see what you've been able to do 
over there. I should just say it this way. What we've all been able to do collectively as a whole. It's a team effort. It really is. And it's infectious and it catches on. And to see the amount of people involved now and the amount of people that help multiple events, whether it's our golf tournament or your event, there's people that are helping all the time. Or maybe they just show up to one event uh, or they're just the person that connects the dots. It's really cool what we're able to do as a community. And then the bigger picture, it's like, isn't that what we should be doing everywhere? Just every day, all the time with there being so much noise out there, we get sucked into it and people are just gravitating towards negativity when there's so many awesome things going on. And frankly, it feels pretty good to be a part of them. Yeah. Everybody doing a little bit ends up being really big Mm -hmm. Um, and, and people are happy to do it. You know, when you tell them, tell them what you're doing, especially with the St. Jude stuff. It's not even a question. They're just, yeah, absolutely. What do you need? That's, that's what I hear from a lot of these people. And to me, that's, it's huge. It's, it's really big. Now you decided to get involved and support St. Jude before you had a chance to go to Memphis. And there's a lot of people in our community who have never been to Memphis. They've never been to St. Jude. Maybe they don't quite get it. They just help for whatever reason. But I want you to tell everyone listening what it was like for you when you had a chance to go to Memphis and you had a chance to walk the halls of St. Jude and what that experience was like. It was life changing. That's, that's kind of what what I tell everybody. Um, you know, I obviously knew what St. Jude does, but I didn't know the bigger picture of what they do. Um, there was things that I didn't know, um, when I got there, as far as, um, you know, when you come back home that they, they pay for your medical bills over here with your doctor using the St. Jude protocol. And as far as hearing stories, you know, one of my tour guides was uh, a woman who had a child who was in St. Jude. And so I was hearing firsthand stories from this woman who just told her, told us, you know, as far as her experience there and how it took the burden off of her and being a parent myself, you know, I have two little kids. I cannot imagine. I've, I've thought about it. I've sat and thought about what it would be like to have to go through that as one of those parents. And I, I can't, I can't even imagine it. And so being there and seeing how happy everybody is and how colorful everything is and talking to the people who work there, it, it's incredible. Um, it, it really changed my whole perspective on everything as far as St. Jude goes. And, and I knew they were great, but I didn't know how great. Yeah. I wish everyone could see it because there's really no way to understand everything and I don't even understand everything I have a pretty good understanding because I've been there numerous times but it's so hard until you see it and it's cool that people get on board even though they haven't been able to see that because St. Jude does a great job of getting their message out there but when you really see the the depths that they go to uh, whether it's music therapy or counseling for the brothers and sisters and or 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 having a prom so they feel like they didn't miss out on their prom trick-or-treating trick-or-treating i mean every single thing you could think of and then how these kids respond to treatment so much better when there isn't the stress and the parents how they do without the financial burden it's really a -a one-of-a-kind place and so cool to be involved in what they're doing it's really hard to put into words everything that you see there um because there's so much, you know, as far as like their research tower. Um, one thing that I thought was really neat is that all the flags. That was the research tower, right? Yeah, where it represents all the different all the doctors, doctors that work there. And there's hundreds yeah. of flags. Yep. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, just just a lot of little things that they, they literally think of everything. And, mm-hmm. and that's what's crazy to me. Like you were saying, they take care of the families as much as they take care of the kids, because maybe if the little brother doesn't understand what's going on with big brother, 
you know, they, there was a thing, I think, uh, I want to say it was like a trick or treating thing, or there was a day where they take the, the siblings, I think it was siblings day, right? Mm-hmm. Where they, they literally just take the siblings and, and take care of them, you know? So they literally take care of the whole family. It's not just the, the child getting treatment, but it's everybody. Yeah. So many different angles to it. And every time I, you know, get super busy and things aren't working out and I think, man, are we, are we trying to do too much here? And then I think back to some of those trips to Memphis and seeing what can be accomplished when money is not an issue. And that's the thing that stands out the most to me, which at times I've come home from there discouraged, not necessarily encouraged because you see the great work they're doing when money is not an issue. They're making the best decision possible. And in day-to-day life, we don't always see the best decision being made because it's about money. It's a lot more rare nowadays. For it, sure. It's very rare. And so um, it's just interesting to think about what is possible when money is not an issue. And that is possible because people donate to St. Jude, right? Because they're, they're removing the boundary. They're taking the boundaries away because there's funding there for them to make the best decision. And then if, if that means paying more to get a certain type of treatment, they're not going to do it. It's not a matter of insurance. It's not a matter of how much money do you have or can you mortgage your house? We are going to do this because it's the best decision. And, uh, that's, what's always challenging for me. Well, yeah, I, I agree with real that. life. You know, when you come back yeah. to real life, it's yeah. like, huh? it just makes you wonder what, what are we doing? Like, I mean, when you see, you take the dynamic of, you know, pharmaceutical companies and all of this stuff that is involved in, in other medical treatment plans, as far as like, uh, you know, different hospitals and different things like that, where their main goal is to eliminate cancer. Like they, they want to do away with it. And that's what they're going to do. Nothing's going to stop them because it's funded by us. It's funded by our communities and it's funded by people that really want that to happen. And so when, when money, like you said, is not an issue, I mean, amazing things happen. Yeah. It's definitely a game changer and it's, it'll be interesting to see where it goes because now globally it's taken off. They have plans to be in all these different countries. They already are in these different countries. So they are making rapid progress. It's almost like they worked for years and years and years to get to a certain point in the United States and they're over 80% success rate. And now due to funding and all those other things, they've been able to just, you know, move everything up a bit and just expedite the process where they're just exploding across the world and it's going to be cool to see over our lifetime. I think in our lifetime, we're going to see a lot of things that maybe we don't want to see because of technology and other things and the crazy out there, but also some very, very cool positives and progress in other areas that maybe people didn't think was possible. Well, you mentioned the the all over the world thing. And I mean, obviously they, they will accept anybody from anywhere. Um, it doesn't matter anytime, yeah. anywhere, any color, any, it does not, nothing matters. Exactly. And that was another thing that I didn't know is that, um, they're sending doctors to hospitals all over the world and implementing the St. Jude, uh, protocol into those, uh, hospitals, um, in different countries, just everywhere. And, and I think that's pretty neat also. So you talk about going there for the first time, the impact it had on you, and then you come home and you have your children. How do you, or how much do you, and obviously there's one that's 
pretty young. Uh, your daughter's probably understanding more and more every single day because she's older. Um, and how old are they exactly? My daughter's five and Jackson is a year and a half. So your five-year-old's starting to understand some things, right? And yeah. so how much do you share what you've learned about St. Jude and how you live your life knowing what St. Jude does? Because I feel like I live my life different as a whole knowing what other people have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, do you, do you share with her or does she know yet what you've done or will Saint, you or St. Jude has been a part of our lives as long as my daughter's been alive. Um, and I do, I, I share everything with her. I brought books back with me. Um, they have like at the gift shop there actually at the hospital, they mm-hmm. had some, some child books. Um, you know, I brought them back clothing and different things like that. And actually there's been several times, my daughter for the last couple of years has been saying she wants to be a doctor. And after learning more about St. Jude, she wants to be a St. Jude doctor because, wow. she, because she wants to help kids. And you know, that for me, that's, that's incredible, man. Like her, she's five years old. She's a smart little kid, but a five-year-old picking up on, on that and seeing the involvement that we have, you know, it's, it's not just me, you know, my, my whole family is part of it. You know, I mean, I, I put a lot of legwork in and stuff, but you know, my wife is fully behind it. Um, you know, and just seeing my daughter really kind of dig into it is pretty cool. Well, for me, it's, you know, I think back and my family as a whole has been pretty fortunate, not always, but at, at some point they saw more success. They were able to do more things. And so they were pretty involved in little league and community and stuff like that. Um, but not so much stuff like this. Um, so they were doing important things in their community. Um, so I think that's probably what ultimately helped me see things that I could get involved in. Um, but definitely trying to share with my kids because it opens up so many different things. You know, it's not just about raising money for St. Jude because there's events that we've done where, yeah, it's for St. Jude, but ultimately it leads to something else where you end up doing something else for being able to help people. And like we were talking about that kind of community aspect, you know, you, you bring people together because of St. Jude, but then all these offshoots off of it because of that. Well, and that's true. And, and cancer affects everybody in some way, shape or form, um, whether it be a child or an adult. And so with, I always tell people as far as like what St. Jude is doing, you know, they're curing cancer. It, it, it's for, it's a children's hospital, but those practices that they're doing there, those treatments that they're giving there could benefit everybody in the future, not just children, you know, and, and that's huge. I mean, it's, it's going to affect everybody on a, on a grander scale, um, worldwide. And so the, the local community, like you're saying is, is so far behind everything that we do for St. Jude. It brings everybody together like that. The radiothon is, is a huge example. Um, like it, it's, that was a game changer for me just seeing how everybody comes together. Everybody, you know, somebody can call in and donate 10 grand, you know, and, and it's just or like, $10 or $10. But yeah, I mean, it, across the board, everybody coming together, doing a little bit ends up being really big. And, and we see that year in and year out. You know what I love seeing is how proud people in our community are of the accomplishments that have been a part of it. Because I always say we're the mouthpiece, right? We're like the cheerleaders. But to see how the community has responded and how how prideful they are of the accomplishments here. You know, St. Jude's been able to open an office in Portland. And part of the reason is the work that's been done down here. And that's cool to see. I mean, to think, holy cow, 
everyone around here helped make that happen and advance things further along. And who knows what the impact has actually been. It's huge. Yeah. You know, and will continue to be. So it's just, you know, when you step back and look at it, what has been accomplished is is something that I would have never imagined A being part of and B being possible, you know. Actually I I had something really cool happen and and it happens, you know, sometimes as far as, you know, I'll approach somebody and say, Hey, you wanna get involved? Do you wanna put a donation in? Do you wanna do this? And a lot of people are like, you know what? I've been donating to St. Jude for 20 years, but um, I contacted a business um, over on the coast um, about a product that we wanted to have as far as our auction goes. And she says, um, I've been a, I've been a supporter of St. Jude for, for a long time. And actually for my business, a percentage of my credit card transactions go directly to St. Jude, which I thought I was kind of blown away by that. I didn't even know that was something that was even possible, but you know, it's just, you don't know, you don't know how many people, businesses and just individual people are just behind it so much. Yeah. So let's go a little bit different direction here as we uh, move towards the second half of this thing. And I'm keeping an eye on my battery (laughs) since we don't have a power cord and I did not hear back from inside, but I do have a pregnant wife and she was up a lot last night because the kids had the sleepover at the elementary school and uh we'll apparently it, it was a long night so <laughs> <laughs> so uh we'll see uh, i think we're doing okay right now but if at some point we wrap it up quickly it's just because we don't want to lose everything we've done so far uh and you have to get to the pumpkin patch and i have soccer today and uh, even more after that busy so, life uh busy for sure but uh, this is great so what do we not know about you that people might be surprised to learn uh, because you said you grew up on the coast and people have learned about you. You know, we talked about the fact that you have two children. Um, but what what else is there? You know, uh, there's not a lot more to me, honestly. I, uh, as far as my life goes outside of everything that I do, I mean, right now, I, I obviously do this year round as far as the planning of my fundraiser and we get the guitar signed and different things like that. I work my real job. Um, I'm involved with the booking for... Rocky Tonk over there for Nisha. Um, I help, I help with that. Um, I recently got involved in, um, I, I did the booking this year for the, um, Coos County fair. Um, and cool. I didn't realize that. Yeah. I actually, I actually booked their entertainment this year. Um, is that something you want to do? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's ultimately when I'm done playing music, um, when nobody wants to hear me anymore, um, I, I want to do that, you know, and I, over the years I've, I've built a lot of connections with the management companies and the booking agencies and different things like that because of, uh, the fundraiser, you know, I, I've, I've built relationships and, uh, it was kind of neat actually. They just gave me the opportunity because I told them I do it for, for the Rocky Tonk over here. Um, they, they just trusted me and I ended up saving them about 10 grand this year. Um, and they're a small country fair. And so it was kind of neat. It was, it was a cool opportunity for me. And they actually recently, uh, I think he called me two days ago and the budget that I had last year's doubled for this year. And he's, he's letting me roll with it again. And is that because the concerts were so successful last year? Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually that was where we played with Tracy bird and, uh, it was extremely uh, successful this year. It was, it was really cool. And the other band we had over there was Parmalee. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was, it was a lot of fun and, you know, I, I'm not charging them anything to do it because it's building experience for me. 
And ultimately, like I said, that's what I want to do. And I've spoke to some other people in the community about maybe putting some, uh, some bigger shows together here. Um, there's some funding in place to, to be able to do that. But yeah, that's ultimately, um, not, not maybe as a full-time job, but it's something that I love. I love music mm-hmm. and, uh, I, I always want to be part of music in some way, shape or form. And so that's a cool opportunity to, to be able to do that. Yeah. And there's nothing like live performances to me. I know you're a big fan of concerts. I'm a big fan of concerts. You recently helped me go to a concert that I wasn't going to go to because I didn't get tickets, which I greatly appreciate. Uh, and that was a cool experience. Uh, I'm so glad I made it made it work. But um, yeah, just those live performances, especially those outdoor. To me, there's nothing like an outdoor concert. Oh, I, I agree. You know, they're so different though. Like the outdoor, the amphitheater style. I actually, a couple of years ago, had an opportunity to go to a giant amphitheater down in Southern California. I saw Dirks Bentley and uh, Randy Hauser down there. Where were you? Uh, Irvine. I, I think it was actually tore down. After oh, yeah. Uh, it's the, uh, now I'm not going to remember the name of it. But, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I think about. there's an apartment complex yeah, there now. which is really sad. It's really sad. But just turning around and seeing all those people. Um, one of those venues like that that I want to go to is Red Rocks. I'd, so do I'd I. I'd love to go. To, let's go. It's on the bucket list. Let's go. And I, I, I either want to go see Eric Church there or... Like Dave Matthews band yeah, would be awesome. But yeah. if I go see David, it'd probably be at the gorge. I've never been there. So he always does a labor day thing. I heard he kills it at the gorge. Yeah. Too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we'll see. But I mean, red rocks is a must. Yeah. A, a definite must. And yeah, that's on the, that's at the top of the list. Well, I mean, let's, let's plan it. All right. Well, we just got to figure out when we're both available and <laughs> when someone's going to be there. I mean, if nobody's there and we, we go sit there, it would be cool too. But uh, yeah, whenever we can we'll look at the schedule and make it happen, I'd be in. I definitely want to road trip the RV there at some point for I'm, sure. I'm all in on it. <laughs> all right. Well, the RV's right out here. We can just warm it up and good to go. But yeah, that's cool. Oh, I wasn't even planning on going there, but it's cool to think about you know, some of those historic venues and just outdoor shows. And there's actually someone who lives here. I don't know who it is, but someone recently reached out to me. That's not a message for the power cord, but you know what? I'm going to look at my text messages because someone reached out this past week. This ties into what you were talking about. And he said to me, and another friend, uh, to my buddy Michael Campbell, who just started his own podcast, Beyond the Band, which he wants to have you in, by the way. I'm in. My phone's all messed up right this second, so I can't. It's it's showing stuff funky. Uh, But anyway, the point of this is that there's a guy that lives here. Apparently, he booked shows for 40 years. He was with the Eagles and a couple of other bands. So maybe at some point he knows this guy, like the friend of the friend knows this guy. So maybe at some point we could have a get together and sit around and talk about some things because I think he did what you're doing now. Oh, really? Yeah. Like that's how he yeah. started doing it? Yeah. Or? It was, I think, booking. And I think he did that for a long time. Like yeah. Like a promoter. I would love to sit down with him. Let's let's make some things happen around here. Let's All get right. some good music in here. Yeah, I mean, it'd be cool. It's just, you know, getting people together, ideas. I mean, it's crazy how connected people really are around here, like with Jim Belushi in town, and a friend of a friend was playing at his birthday bash. And it's like we're way closer to things than I think we realize sometimes, or that some people realize that we're really just a person away. Well, I'm not above uh, contacting anybody, and I may or may not have uh, – <laughs> wrote Jim Belushi on Facebook and never heard back from really? him. So if he's listening to this, he needs to give me a holler. Yeah. If he's listening to this, then 
awesome <laughs> but i don't know that he is but hey you never know because he was brought up in the other podcast too uh on michael's podcast uh because chris played at his birthday bash so and he was actually clearing plates from tables really so, yeah yeah he's out he's out near me i, I live in eagle point so he's yeah. he's right out there so maybe you get I mean, an invite one of these days to play at his birthday bash i saw him out at a restaurant in eagle point not too long ago actually yeah that's always a tough one do you go up and say hi or not when someone's eating i've always said if they're eating i won't do it if it's after maybe i'll tell you i did not approach him but if it would have been garth in there i mean i would have been like a fangirl <sighs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, I was really fortunate. I know you're looking over the top of my head here at the picture on the wall, and that's something I never thought would happen. Uh, and you mentioned it when you came in the garage, the picture with Garth Brooks. and uh, I'm a little jealous. You know, at some point, you know, maybe it'll happen. You just put it out there in the universe. I never thought it would happen. I never thought I'd have the opportunity. Matter of fact, I wasn't even trying to have the opportunity happen, and it just kind of happened. Like, you're not going to believe what we got invited to what i never thought it would be possible so much so that i wouldn't even ask you next know? time i'll take your name tag and i'll i'll be jason for the day if there's an opportunity <laughs> again you can have it because i like for me and that's one of the things that excites me now and it was cool that i got to meet luke combs a week or two ago whenever that was um you know because you helped me out and got the guitar signed for saint jude but one of my biggest thrills these days is letting someone else take my spot because I've had an opportunity to do it and we're so close to it. And it's not that I don't appreciate it. I really did. And Luke Combs was awesome. I wouldn't have passed that up, <laughs> but if the opportunity presented itself again, I would let someone else go because it's cool to, for other people, especially super fans to have that opportunity uh, that they may never get. Yeah, and I've kind of started doing that in the last couple of years also. Um, I, I try to find people. Obviously, it's a little different because we're, we're sending in guitars and there's some logistics involved with making that happen, as you know. Um, but for me, you know, there's not a lot of people that I really care to. I mean, the concerts are fun. I love, I love going to concerts and stuff. But as far as meeting people and stuff, it's not that amazing anymore but there's two left for me it's garth and george and and uh those are those are like my bucket list uh meet and greet kind of deals that, yeah. I'll, that i want to do but other than that you know it's it's for me it's more about just making the things happen getting the guitar signed and and uh helping some other people out yeah what a cool thing where you have the opportunity to get in there and get some guitars autographed and that is a whole challenge in itself oh yeah with logistics finding the right people to get to then to get it to the concert get it actually signed get it home in one piece and then when you sell it and in your case for saint jude and then you see people who are so excited to have that item and i just recently saw it happen with the britney ride and we surprised the crowd with the guitar that we ended up with that nobody knew we had. And someone had a deep connection to this event and, and paid a ton of money for it and got very emotional about what it. What was the guitar? It was the actual guitar from Country Crossings that they owned, that everyone signed, oh. that they had in their possession when all hit the fan. And there was someone in that office who funneled that guitar to us wow and thought and they actually said we think you guys should have this because we know how hard you worked to get guitars signed every single year and how much you pestered us 
we think you guys should have this because you can do more good with it than we can. I think I saw a photo of that on Facebook, actually. Probably. That's pretty awesome. And there may be one more out there oh, that really? we're just holding on to for the right moment. <laughs> Not like from there. Yeah. From somewhere else. You can make a connection. You can probably figure it out. But uh, it's just cool. It was cool that they offered it up or someone. I shouldn't say they because it wasn't they. It was someone who knew the effort that had been put in and rewarded us for the effort. And ultimately, we someone ended up with it who was perfect for them to end up with it and worked out awesome. That's you know, amazing. Just cool to see that, but that reaction from people when they get that item and then help out the cause. So I had that reaction when the George Strait guitar showed up in the mail. Right. <laughs> I haven't been excited to see the mailman in a long time until that, until that happened. Do you find that there's a struggle for you of wanting to keep, not to keep it from St. Jude, but that you want the item but then I know for me personally how much I give to St. Jude, which is, I don't really, you know, what it doesn't matter what that number is. But like that Luke Combs guitar or there's been some good Eric, Eric Church guitar. I think, man, I'd love to have that. But I also know there's people that would really love to have it and that will spend all the dollars. And I think they're probably going to spend more than I have to spend on it. So good for you. And then I'll just enjoy watching all the money go to St. Jude. Yeah, it, it's difficult sometimes. I, there's not, there hasn't been very many like that for me. Um, one of them actually was kind of neat. Uh, the the Dirks Bentley guitar that I got signed down in Southern California. I bought a guitar down there at some random guitar shop and uh, had Dirk sign it. And uh, a friend of mine knew about it and ended up buying it at the auction and they gave it back to me, which, Whoa. Is, which is pretty cool. So you have it? I have it. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, there's some crazy guitar. We could probably sit here for an hour and just talk about crazy guitar stories because we took an Uber in Memphis one time and we rode 45 minutes one way to a guitar center to get a guitar because we didn't want to miss out on the opportunity to bring one home. For sure. Uh, yeah, there's, there's so many great stories of finagling here and you know, <laughs> I know we've both had our own stories of the tricks it takes to pull off getting those guitars autographed. Well, some pretty cool things too, though, is like, you, you just don't know as far as these guitars go, you know, they're sometimes they're invaluable as far as like we had an Eddie money one, two years ago at, at my fundraiser and Eddie money just passed away. So it's one of those cool things that this person was able to pick up a guitar that they loved there. And now it's something that, I mean, you, you, you can't get it anymore, you know? Yeah, we had one one year from Merle Haggard. Oh, gosh. And it was before he passed away. Yeah. Right before. And somebody has that now. So that's incredible. Uh, that That's like a, that, you know, like some of those old timer ones. We have a, we have a Chris Christofferson one this year, which wow. is pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, he's part of that, that group as far as like the highwaymen and stuff. So it's pretty neat. And we had Hank Williams Jr. this year, I think. I don't know. There's been so many guitars. Yeah, he was at one of the festivals, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you have, you know, 10, 15, 20 every year circling through different directions, hard to keep track of, but. For sure. All right, so we only have a couple minutes left. I mean, we could go on as long as we want, but I don't know how long the battery's going to last, and we're just about 51 minutes into this thing, which is, is pretty good. Um, one of the ways I like to end this is just, like, if you have any piece of advice or encouragement for people listening who – uh, maybe they're thinking about getting into music or thinking about doing anything. Like as you think back to what helped you kind of chase after it and go do it to where you're still singing music today, what would you say? Don't stop. I mean, you know, we you start out at the bottom and you work your way up. And 
for me, you know, like I never imagined that I would ever get paid to play music and I just started doing it because I love it. And so I wouldn't still be doing it if I didn't love it. And so that's one thing you have to tell yourself is if you're doing something every day and working hard to do it like music and you're not enjoying it and you don't love it anymore, don't do it. Um, but if you do, don't take no for an answer. Don't stop. Um, I mean, I've been told no a million times and I'll, I go after the big fish all the time. That's just, that's just the way I am. Like I'll contact anybody and everybody as far as I do all of our booking for, for the band. And I mean, I've contacted anybody and everybody, big, big name artists, big name management to try to open for the big guy. And, you know, I've been told no a million times. Um, you, you know, I've, I've tried playing Brit, the main stage at Brit for, I mean, I've been playing music for 10 years now and we finally got the opportunity this year because I tried every single year mm -hmm. and eventually somebody's going to say yes. Well, and also don't you think that all of the positive energy and the good vibes that you put out there working on all these projects probably helped get you there too? Yeah, no doubt. I, I think that, that networking for me is huge, um, in, in all aspects of my life. Um, you know, my real job with music, with the, with the guitars, with getting, uh, donations. I mean, networking is huge and that's one thing. Don't be afraid to go talk to anybody. Um, whether it be a business owner or, you know, if you're, you're meeting your favorite country artist, you know, and you want to ask them a question or ask them for help with something, do it. Yeah. You can't get a yes. If you don't ask the question. Yeah. The worst they're going to say is no. And, yeah. and I've been, I've heard no more times than I've ever heard. Yes. But, but I just, you know, keep on rolling. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, I appreciate you coming over. I know there's a lot more we could talk about and maybe at some point you can come back over. But the last thing I want to have happen is this to stop and shut down on me. Uh, so I think we'll wrap it up here again. Uh, where can people find your band? Uh, Facebook is the best place. Facebook, uh, or any of the other social media under Billy Lund and whiskey weekend. Um, the other thing I want to point out is uh, the fundraiser. We'd love to see all of you over at the fundraiser, November 2nd, Elk Valley Casino in Crescent City. Um, you can find the Facebook page at Country Against Cancer for St. Jude um, on Facebook. You can find it on my Facebook page or uh, homegrowncountry.brownpapertickets.com is the ticket link. Um, or reach out to me. I have, I have tickets on me all the time. And all it takes is one person to make a difference. So even if one person listening to this podcast decides to jump on the website or contact you and get tickets, that's one more than before. Yeah, it's, it's huge. And, and that's what I tell everybody, you know, we obviously have, you know, the auctions and different things like that, but don't feel obligated. Come over and just have a good time. Uh, listen to the music because your ticket goes towards the greater cause also. And you know what? I never need a reason to go to the coast, but this is a great reason to go to the coast and help out a great cause. Two birds right there. Absolutely. <laughs> so check it out. Thank you so much for coming over. Enjoy the pumpkin patch and uh, I'll see you again soon. Cool, man. Thanks.